Hello and welcome to CBuzz, a collaboration between the Columbus Chamber, CD1025, and the Columbus Dispatch. On CBuzz, we bring you the best stories from Columbus business owners. I am your host, Dan Swartout, and today we are so pleased to be talking with Darla King, the president of King Business Interiors. Darla, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, thank you. Appreciate the offer. Oh, man. And we are super excited as well to be joined today to help uh, lead our interview here today, the editor of Columbus CEO Magazine, Mary Yost. Mary, welcome to CBuzz. Thank you for being here. And we're super excited for your contributions to the show. Oh, thanks, Dan. I'm really excited to be here also. Awesome. Awesome. So, Mary, I know you've got a whole bunch of questions from Darla. And Darla, I know about your background. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to learn about your business. I'm excited to learn about your story and share that story with all of our Buzz listeners. And I know Mary's got some great, great questions for you. Thanks, Dan. I do. So let's get started, Darla. It's really good to sit down with you today. Now, you have been in the furniture business for a long time. You you had a uh, career before starting your own business, and but you decided to to leave that and take a leap into entrepreneurship. So tell us about what what pointed you in that direction. How did you how did you make that leap? You know, I was in residential design for about seven years, and I worked for a great man, Gordon Schiffman. He owned White's Furniture. Gordon, back in 1986, as a visionary, he saw that everyone was going to need a computer in their home someday. So he opened an office furniture division in the White's Furniture on Henderson and Kenny, near Fridays, Max and Irma's, that area. Oh, sure. And when he did that... He um, said, I need somebody to run this, and I volunteered and said I'd love to. It was a time in my life when my son was three years old, and it was time for me to get out of the retail you, where you work till 9 o'clock at night and every weekend. And I thought, here's a time when I could be 8 to 5, and I could do what I do and um, make a life lifestyle change of her work. And um, after about a year, Gordon said, you know, this isn't going where I thought it was. So I'm going to shut it down and go back to the bedding department up here. And uh, I said, you know, I really like what I'm doing. And I found some good people. I'd like to move on. And he said, why don't you call Wasserstrom? They're friends, and they, they may be one place you could go to. So I did. And I was there at Wasserstrom for 10 years um, and a, a great opportunity with Wasserstrom. And then um, had the opportunity to switch and move into um, a full, you know, um, full-time commercial furnishings. And some of the people I'd met walking in White's Furniture wanting lamps and artwork and draperies and things like that became my customers that then needed bigger office settings um, as cubicles, stations, private offices. So that's where it grew, and that's where I got into commercial. Um, and then from there, I just kept uh, working at you know White's for 10 years. So I made a change, and I moved to a small dealership. There was just two of us became three of us, and uh, I had the opportunity to become a partner. And when a, I came up with the conversation and said, let's start talking about this partnership, um, he said, you forgot to read your contract. On line 34, it says if you don't resign within the first 30 days, you have an automatic renewal for a year. And he said, you know, you're stuck. And I said, oh, I'll be darned if I'm stuck. And I was 39 years old and fired up mad because I wasn't going to move just to become another employee. I really wanted to be making the decisions and moving on to what I felt was really good customer service and how to take a business to the next level. 
And uh, I had to wait a while. And then when I finally had the opportunity after my uh, term was over and my contract was up, I left and um, started my own business at 40 years old. And um, my comment to that was, if somebody's going to own it, it might as well be me. So um, you're never too late to start a business and get it rolling as long as you got the passion and the drive and the desire and the energy. And um, that's what that's what happened. So. Now, you you were you've had a lot of references here to the men that you worked with and working with another company in taking that that move to create your own company. There weren't a lot of female role models out there for you, were there? You know, how did that feel as, first of all, starting your own company and then doing it as a woman where maybe there weren't a lot of women role models for you? You know, I I agree. I never thought I could start my business without having all the knowledge all the knowing everything, taxes, insurance, banking, you know, how to talk to a manufacturer and really get the best programming together. Um, But I put together a team. One is my husband. He had a finance background. Uh, And then two other partners with us. So the four of us started the business back in uh, 1998. And I let them do what they did best, and I went out and sold. And we built the team from there, and then as it grew, um, we had the same brand of product, uh, which is called Hayworth. And at that time, there were three Hayworth dealers in town. Um, that's kind of like a, a dealership, like a car dealership. If you're the Honda dealership, you know, you're not going to have three within the same range or area. Um, so we eventually, um, one bought out the other, and uh, within about a year, went bankrupt. So we became the only Hayworth dealer, which hmm. really pushed us up to the top of um, the you know, awareness list here in Columbus and um, gave us the opportunity to really handpick those people and that had great relationships with their customers and the brand. So that's kind of put us into the marketplace because that's how office furniture dealerships are set up. And and I'm kind of wondering why furniture. I'm I'm trying to picture Darla King growing up, and I'm wondering, were you, did you have a dollhouse that you you know had all the little furniture that you played with, or what what was it that kind of pointed you in the direction of furniture? You know, I um, I grew up in the military, Air Force. My dad was a a pilot, and I traveled around the country a lot, world a lot. I lived in Germany twice, and when my parents were in Germany the first time in 1964, they went to Denmark and bought all Danish teak furniture. And that mm-hmm. Danish teak is still in our family today, but that traveled with us through all Pretty the different cool. bases and places. But the ironic part was our in ninth grade, we were in California, and they, although the, all the wood product came with us on the on the move and we moved like 10 times in 12 years so you can imagine it took a beating but it looks wonderful and it's in great condition my dad went to Levitt's my mom wasn't the one to do the soft decorating and things like that my dad Hmm. went to Levitt's and came home believe it or not, with a fur love seat and a fur, white fur love seat and Oh, my sofa. goodness. <laughs> <laughs> he had the choice of white or black. Anyways, so I always look at that and I think, how did I ever get interested in furniture with the classic mix of that two together? <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> so getting into interior design and going into school, I uh, realized there were some things that I really uh, hadn't been around, but certainly wanted to learn and get involved in. And uh, so when I look back at some of the pictures of us growing up and what we lived with, um, it was just different. It was what you, it's the only thing you knew, you know, and and that's what you kind of uh, evolve from. But that's interesting that you'd say that and ask that. Thanks. (laughs) What about the, you've 
been in business now, what, about 20 years? 18. 18 years. And it's not easy to to start a small business, to, to grow it then, and, you know, so many fail. What are some of the keys to that have that you've things you've learned along the way that have allowed you to maintain the business, to grow it, to to have that longevity that you enjoy now? Um, relying on great people. I know I hear that a lot from people and CEOs that hire good people, hire smarter people than yourself. But even so, I kind of break a lot of rules in that I hire people that I know I can trust and I can train them to work within what we need. And we also hire um, for our core values. And that's been a big learning curve. I think one of the things that we found in the very, very beginning was I was never prepared for the HR. What was I going to do about the human resource, the human capital, what we were doing to help people really be what they wanted to be? And um, reading a lot of good business books like Dream Manager, you see Hmm. the other side. You understand the employee's view. And I've always done the comparison because I was never an owner and I didn't have any training on how to be an owner. They don't teach you that. But I always knew what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to have a boss all over me. I didn't want to have um, deadlines that were impractical. And I didn't, I did want our folks to be happy. And our taglines love where you work. It took a long time for us to get to that tagline. But truly, that's the bottom line. It's just that simple. Love where you work. Enjoy the people you're around. And then our job is to help our customers be the most productive and enjoy what they're working in and how they work. And so it's just evolved over the years. And it's really more of an instinct, gut feeling. Ask them what they want. Find out what they need. Flex time is huge. Mm. Um, And we do that. And we have a lot of part-time people that come and go. And, you know, it's just understanding what we need and that office furniture is not a life or death situation and to have to be there at eight o'clock and get across town when that's not practical. Um, one of the gals I just hired, she said, you know, I was never allowed to let my daughter get on the bus because I was expected to be here by eight. And I said, you put your kid on the bus and when you get here, you get here because you know what? Kids come first has always been on one of our taglines on our website and don't miss a ball game because I missed a lot of ball games when I worked for others and I felt like, man, if I'd have just been there, if I'd have just been there. So it's from experience and from things we I missed and things I didn't want to have happen to somebody else. And I had a lot of, um, one in particular, I had a great opportunity when my son, he's now 33, but he was, he was um, newborn. And I worked at Ethan Allen and um, Steve Carter, the owner there, when I went in, I said, you know, I'm sorry, but I just found out I'm pregnant. And he said, that's great. We're going to have a daycare. My wife's pregnant. We'll put it in the basement. We'll have the best furnished daycare in the city. And I thought, wow, how fun. what a great way. Could I ever give that back? And we've had a lot of women in our team that have come up and said, look, you know, I'm going to be having a baby, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, how about we had daycare? <laughs> so we've yet to, but it's always out there as an offer because um, I had that once way back in 1982. And we were there with the daycare for three years. So when I think about well, what can we do, um, it, you know, it's endless. It's open. And if somebody has suggestions, we try to make things work. So that goes to your core values of having that, treating your employees the way that, that you would want to be treated. Right. The I I love the the love where you work also because I you know I hear it as that's part of what you're looking at with 
with your staff, you know, people who work with you. But isn't that also what you're helping create in other workplaces? Love where you work because you you go in and you're making the spaces look wonderful. You're giving them the touches that they need to to love their own workspaces. Can you talk a little bit about how you approach those assignments? How do you help p- other people love where they work? You know, it's, um, yes, that's one of the biggest things we do, and that's listening. Because people buy for three reasons that we've found over the years. One is, you know, we're moving. We've got to move. It's speed. We've got to get something done. Two is budget. I need to move, but I can't afford to do that, or I'm going to buy something new. And third is image. And when it comes to image and the company is established, they no longer need to work out of used furniture or um, the, the IKEA-type, you know, startup-type furniture, and they want to be the big kid now, we're there to kind of be that next um, partner. And so um, that has helped us a lot to understand their drive, What's there now? What's their budget? What's their needs? And then listening to what that means to them. And then there's always new things happening in our industry. You're very involved in the community. Can you talk a little bit about some of the organizations that you're involved with in the community and, and why you do that? And, and what does that do for you? You know, uh, I guess I can start back to like 2004. We had an outlet store up off Huntley Road which is kind of used furniture row up that way. There's three of us. Sure. And I thought, well, that's going to be what we're going to do to get rid of used furniture and or things that we make mistakes on and so forth. But after a while and getting involved in New Directions Career Center on the board, my first board experience, and a customer had recommended I get on it because they were moving and needed furniture. So I got on the board and I sat in the back of the room for about the first year just trying to figure out what nonprofits did and what they, how they ticked and what was happening because I had no idea. And I actually sat there looking at the room going, man, I've got tables in my outlet store I could give them. I've got chairs in my outlet store they need. And then I started furnishing and saying, you guys need some stuff. I'm going to just give it to you because I got it for free or we made the mistake and I can't sell it. So our Connecting the Dots program began. And we started looking at where nonprofits and charities and even startups Because what they don't need to do is spend money on office furniture that's outrageous. What we didn't realize was giving furniture like that, nice furniture, reusable furniture, still had life to it. And we could even finish it up or touch it up or clean it up, um, gave us exposure to the whole board. Mm. And that wasn't our goal. That wasn't our intent. But then when you've got somebody that's passionate enough to spend time to be on a board and get involved in a nonprofit for five, six, seven years, they really do have an interest and a, and a passion to help them. So all of a sudden, it's like this conference table and chairs came free to us from King. And it opened up some doors mm-hmm. and ideas. And I thought, wow, that's just going to go, that's going great. <laughs> so after that, it became um, nonprofit to nonprofit talking. And people in that nonprofit world really do support each other, help each other, and realize where they're coming together um, to pull monies, grants, and and compromise and, and you know, um, co- collaborate. So then the wild, the word got out. We've never advertised it, but I would tell you that our warehouse is full right now. Um, and one side of it is one part of that for connecting the dots. And, and we will continue to find where that furniture should go. So that's how it evolved. That's how it started. And the interesting part is we've always talked about, I don't know if you know the book, The Secret. 
But the secret is put it out there in the universe and it'll come back to you. Oh, sure. Well, we put it out there in the universe a lot and, and think about, and when people come to us and say, and one of them did, she called and said, you know, I'm a nonprofit. I take care of men's shelters. Do you ever get TVs? And I said, no, you know, that's something that's electronics. I, you know, I would have a hard time, but, but I'll keep an eye out. Two days later, I got a call from a company, and they give us all their used furniture and stuff. <laughs> Literally, he took a picture and said, I have five of these big tube TVs wow. that are strapped onto mobile carts. I love Would it. Would you want them? And I'm like, are you kidding? So I called the gal, and I said, I have five of them. She said, I'll take them all. I said, what do you do with them? What do you need them for? She said, you know, I got these men. They just need to gather, but there's no reason to gather in the living room if there's not something happening. And I can't afford to buy a TV. And that was probably seven years ago, and we've never had a TV since. What other kinds of um, lessons learned along the way would you offer to to new entrepreneurs, would-be startups out there? Yeah. What, what can you help them with? You know, I have learned so much from my peers. And I would tell you that as a boss, as an owner, my husband and I are co-owners, but you only can talk about certain things with certain people. And having had the opportunity to be involved in EO and Vistage and WPO, Women's President's Organization, and now NABO, the National Association of Women Business Owners, having that peer-to-peer connection mm-hmm. and um, has been invaluable to me because it's you get the opportunity to let somebody um, vent and tell you what they're working on and how they're doing and what they want to plan and dream of. And I get the opportunity to do the same. And you get a confidential, small group that cares about your business, understands your personality, realizes your strengths and your weaknesses, and sees through all that to help. And nothing stronger than women to women, I'll be honest with you. I've loved the other groups. I did... Um, several of them for six years, five years, four years. So you kind of grow through those and you get to the point where you say, what's next? And give me something new and fresh. And with NABO, for example, mm-hmm. we have roundtables now. And roundtables just started a, you know, a few years ago. But the roundtable, power of a roundtable, power of that eight ladies around the table that know each other, appreciate each other, trust each other, and everything's in confidentiality, it's priceless. If you're sitting there wanting to start a business and you don't have a peer-to-peer group, go find one. Um, that would be something that I just would highly recommend, not realizing what it meant until I got into EO and how powerful it is for us to, to be able to, you know, get it out there on the table. It's lonely at the top. It's tough to do it by yourself. And I, <laughs> I joke about it. My husband's a super nice guy, listens very well. And we drove to Cleveland once and I got, it was about two hours and I talked the whole way. And I said, was there anything you want to say before we get there? <laughs> and here I've just, I was venting and talking and talking and talking right. and all of a sudden the time was gone. So, um, he's a good listener, but he's also one that's, uh, you know, he's like, okay, whatever you want to do, <laughs> easy going. So these other gals are much more challenging and say, you really want to do that? You thought that through? Um, you know, you can get advice from professionals like attorneys, um, law accountants, and things like that. And, and that's where the advice should come from for those types of issues. Sure. But when it comes to just brainstorm and hear me out, it's great to have the peer-to-peer group. I'd highly recommend it. And you find that those groups are very welcoming. So if, if, the, if the newbie makes that phone call, 
she or he are going to find a, a welcome on the other end. Yes. Great. Absolutely. What about as you look forward, we've been looking back a little bit. What do you see in the future when you look forward for King Business Interiors? Well, we are very fortunate. My um, son is in the business. He's 33. And my daughter is in the business as a designer, and she is 25. And so um, my husband and I are in our late 50s and 60. And so, yeah, they'll be there to take over. They'll be there to um, come in. Uh, Chris has worked with us now nine years, and Chelsea has worked with us for three years. So we're grooming them to be in the right place at the right time and, and make sure that they have enough information and support around them. And um, they've, they've always obviously grown up in the business on the docks sure. and on the trash side and, and cleaning up the library and so forth. So um, that's kind of our future uh, to put them together and let them take it from there. Um, and what about the you you've been in Columbus, you've you've worked in this region forever. I know that, that your business takes you out of Columbus. You mentioned Kettering and and. You probably go, you know, much farther than that. But what is it about this city that has this region that has enabled you to be successful? And and do you see the the area continuing to be a good place for business? Absolutely. We are the luckiest in Columbus, Ohio. We have a chamber of commerce that's extremely active. We have the support of Columbus 2020. We have the partnership that's there to support. It's just a priceless team of individuals and businesses that really want to see everybody be successful. And we have entrepreneurial centers every direction. And so the opportunities for anybody to start a business and grow a business and be involved in um, the city is, is fantastic. You know, we say Ohio, Ohio, Ohio. If I think about something out in California or, or New York, I don't know one city from another city that is such a dramatic difference than Columbus is to like Northeastern Ohio. My relatives are from Northeastern Ohio and I go up there and I'm thinking bordered up buildings, factories yeah. closed down, only two couple places to really work. How do we help that part of Ohio? And how do you look at Ohio in a whole and say, you got to move to Columbus. Columbus has got everything going on. It's got energy. It's got growth. What kind of changes have you seen that bring us to where we are today in Columbus? I think it's just been a total regional focus that has helped it. Uh, when I look back to when I started in office furniture, I don't think I realized where we were and what we were doing as far as a, a city and a location. Um, when I look at it today, I think 21 universities in our area mm -hmm. and all the things happening around with Tech Columbus and, well, excuse me, uh, Rev One Ventures and also, um, you know, Battelle and all that. It's just, there's so much here already in place. And then you look at entrepreneurial centers like Dublin and Marysville. And so the whole region has just got the opportunity to just, to blossom and grow. And, and so I don't think there's any stopping it. I think it's going to continue. I just think we need to find better ways to advertise how strong we are and how proud we are and how to bring Columbus a real focus. I mean, I love what's done happening at the airport. We've advertised at the yeah. airport for four years, so we've been very close to what's going on out there. And uh, we've just been furnishing the new. And I think, wow, that's fantastic. That is our port. 
our way in. One of the things that we were pleased to be able to feature you, Darla, last year in a series of story or a package of stories that we did about women business owners and some of the advice that you would offer to other women business owners. And I think one of the things that you said was that you don't have to be superwoman, that you can actually be helpful by, um, you know, not trying to do it all, but if you need some, some things done, you know, in your home while you're at work, you know, you can hire that out and then maybe you're helping another woman by doing that. Can you talk a little bit about the, the, um, women who think they have to be superwoman and, and why they don't have to be. As far as helping women and understanding women's role of being superwoman, it's expected that we are the mom, we are to plan, we are to take care of the groceries, we are to take care of the cleaning. Um, and then, by the way, we're going to have a, a career on top of that. And that goes back to our you know, childhood and how we grew up and what we grew up around. But sure. it's a new day, and it has been for a long time. But I can tell you back when I realized the things that helped me, one was a cell phone. When I was running around town about 4.30 and had to get to a daycare by 6 to pick up my son or my daughter, it was like, how am I going to get that? i got to go find a pay phone. I've got to find a way to call and tell them I'm going to be late, call my husband, right. tell him what. Today, it's like we just take it for granted that cell phones must have right. always been there. I mean, I remember having that mm-hmm. great big old bag in my car thing, and, you know, <laughs> I've got to get my cell phone out. And it wasn't a cell phone, so... Um, Anyways, the, the point is that, was a, that helped me a lot. The second is taking time to have manicures, pedicures, and massages because there's just no time. Pe- women do not take time for themselves. They give, 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 and they try to help out. And, and there's only, only so much time in the day and so much time in your, in your life. And the other I found was there's a lot of great women out there in their business. They love to come clean. And so let them do what they do best. Mm-hmm. And my time, that time is valuable for me too. So let that happen and let that be a part of just the norm. Don't feel guilty for it because, boy, I used to spend my weekends like making sure my house was clean, making sure I had the groceries done, making sure I had the laundry done. Stop. Right. All, and doing your so nails many, too. So. Yeah. <laughs> and there's so many other resources out there. And I think with NABO, for example, you can find all those resources within the same membership. And by letting them speak up. There was a gal yesterday that I met from NABO, and she said, I have a baby daycare, but I am the daycare for weddings, for funerals, for places where you need to bring your kids because the whole family's there. Oh, good idea. Yeah, so what a wonderful thought and and a, a opportunity. And so she's just a babysitter for hire, and she goes into wherever they need them to be mm-hmm. at those kinds of locations. And I thought, that's fantastic. So they're out there. And I think a lot of times we just think, uh, that's my responsibility. Right. It's not. And the women need to let that be um, let that be known. And I've also run into a lot of women lately that work out of their homes. They have a fantastic business. They don't have to have employees. They don't have to have brick and mortar. But they also need someplace else to get out because they'll find themselves busy doing the dishes. Or I'm just going to throw another load in. Or they'll take care of vacuuming and things like that. And all of a sudden, they messed up and three hours is gone. And they really didn't get done what they expected to get done. So our downtown studio, we have just brought in three, now four, co-ops, co-workers. And that's a big deal for businesses all over the country. They're doing it. Co-working, bringing people in. Job sharing. 
Well, it's really allowing the space to be theirs, and there are four mm-hmm. different businesses that are in our space. Oh, okay. And it's our showroom with the best of the best furniture. It brings in energy. It brings in people. They get out of the office, uh, excuse me, out of the house, and get an opportunity to really work in a professional business environment. And selfishly, I've asked them to keep a log, keep a, a, a diary of what it makes them feel like when they left home and was able, were able to come to work, plan meetings, get a lot more done, and then we're going to learn from that. Being in the workforce um, business and then asking people to love where they work, I really didn't understand how the solopreneur working out of their home thought. And for five, six years, a couple of these gals have been working out of their homes trying to build a business. And it's not to the point where they want to sign a five-year lease. They want to have a workplace, a workspace, a co-working. And so we've offered that, and it's downtown on, on 3rd Street. So you know, it's like listen to what their pain is and try to figure out a way to give a solution. I, I want to follow up with you someday and, and find out what you're learning from their logs and their journals about, yeah. you know, what what they're sharing. The um, if, if I had to identify one of the themes of what we've been hearing from you today, I think creativity is something that calls out to me. I think you're someone who is very open to, is there a new way to do something? Is there a better way to do something? Where, where does that come from? Have you always been a creative person? Uh, I think I have. I think it's the opportunity that I have um, to be able to think about it, to be able to dream about it. Because what I used to do was kind of get down and dirty and work and then now that I have employees that are taking care of all that, I can think back and look bigger picture and be more of the visionary to see what's out there, what we could be doing, and looking at the trends of our industry and saying, how can I help that? How can I bring that to Columbus? I was going to ask you, what, what does keep you up at night? What keeps me up at night? Unhappy um, employees. Um, problems I want to solve quick that I I tend to want to make a solution quick and then I have to really stop and analyze and evaluate anymore I've got such a a strong staff that it's not the sleepless nights as much as it used to be like how am I going to make payroll you know my husband is our CFO he's the money worrier he's the banker he's the insurance guy he's the one that really takes care of all that and takes that off my plate which has allowed me Really, I think that's probably part of it. It's allowed me to be more freedom to think, freedom to be involved with nonprofits and the chamber and um, activities outside uh, the office. Oh, that's so. great. And if and if something financial is keeping you awake at night, you can just kind of, you know, nudge him and he can tell you it's okay. Darla, what haven't we asked you today that you would like to share with us about uh, either you know advice to other business leaders, would-be business leaders, or about some things that that you have carried with you throughout your career. I would say put yourself in the other person's shoes, whether it's employee or a vendor or a nonprofit or whatever it is that you're working with and evolving around or helping or supporting. But um, I often do that and just reflect back, what would it be if it was in my, if, what would I think, and then would that be fair? And is that a win-win-win for all of us? Um, 
I think that's one uh, big part of it that I've learned. And that's an important one. Thanks. You know, that with, with listening, you talked about the importance of listening. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think those probably go together. Listen so that you can be in that other person's place mm-hmm. and then be able to have the empathy and respond and mm-hmm. and do the right thing. That's right. That's true. <laughs> Darla, where can we find out more about your business online? Uh, websites, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? All of the above. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, try our website. We've just remodeled it, redesigned it. Actually, my daughter got very involved in that, so... That's nice to have that uh, youthful look. What's the address for everyone to find it at? www.kbiinc.com. Excellent. For King Business Interiors, Inc. Oh, that makes perfect sense to me. What a, a phenomenal conversation we've been having here. Darla, Darla King, King Business Interiors, thank you so much for joining us. It has been such a pleasure to learn about your business, your story, uh, it's been it's been great. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you very much for asking. Appreciate and, it. and and what a pleasure as well it has been to have the editor of Columbus CEO Magazine, Mary Yost, sitting in with us here on CBuzz with some phenomenal questions, leading a great great discussion. Thank you so much, Mary, for being here as well. Loved the opportunity. I look forward to doing it again. Oh, we look forward to having you back. And and Darla, I, I cannot wait for everyone out there to hear this episode and hear your phenomenal story. So thank you again so much for joining us. Uh, thank you. Appreciate and, it. And uh, I want to thank all of you out there for listening to CBuzz. I am your host, Dan Swartout. CBuzz is a collaboration between the Columbus Chamber, CD1025, and the Columbus Dispatch. CBuzz is produced by Delara Casey, engineering by Mark Pasternak from Jump Goat Media, and the recording studio is provided by GrooveU. Thank you to all of our partners. And of course, once again, thanks to you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, go find us on iTunes. Give us a rating. Give us a review. We'd really appreciate that. And uh, we'll keep bringing you more great stories for more great Columbus business owners like Darla King. Thank you again so much for listening to CBuzz. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>